And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Tuesday morning. Hope everyone is doing well. Had a good three-day weekend. Uh, lots of Wizards talk with the Bradley Beal trade and the U.S. Open was very interesting for sure. But of course, we primarily talk about the Washington Commanders here, and we'll do that today. Got some thoughts on Hard Knocks, some thoughts of a Josh Harris-Joe Gibbs partnership, though not really about the Commanders, and linebacker coach Steve Russ uh, talking Jamin Davis and the linebacker room. Uh, the assistant coaches were made available to the media a week or a couple weeks ago, and I had a chance to talk to Steve Russ for a few minutes, so I'm going to share some of that conversation here with you on the podcast, which of course you can subscribe to on iTunes, anywhere you do your podcasting, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss anything we have going on. If you, if you miss anything in recent days, I talked to David Aldridge uh, the other day about the commanders, about Josh Harris, because obviously DA as a NBA guy has tracked Josh Harris with the 76ers. And we also did talk a bit about the Wizards and the uh, NBA draft. I also talked to Nikki Jabala with the Washington Post last week to put a bow on OTAs and minicamp. So make sure to check all of that out as well. Uh, I will also, I'll, I'll tack on a few Beal comments at the end of this as well. Uh, and some NBA draft notes that I've just heard while just talking about Beal with other people. But let's talk about the commanders. Uh, first off, this hard knock situation, I, I <laughs> you know, it's obviously hard knocks is, is is a fun watch for fans. I think it's lost a little bit of its luster overall because we've all kind of seen the behind the scenes deal at this point. But the difference is when it's your team, when it's the team that you care about, then all of a sudden there's more intrigue, obviously, with what we may learn. And of course, even coming from my perspective, right, as a reporter who covers the commanders, you know, I'm not in the rooms when Ron Rivera is talking to Jack Del Rio about, uh, you know, maybe how Emmanuel Forbes looks or Rivera in the front office are not discussing, you know, where this team, uh, you know, might uh, look to, to to do something or or their, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So to that extent, Hard Knocks could, Hard Knocks could be interesting. And we know that Washington is one of the four teams that is eligible by rule to be forced into doing this by the league. Those teams are the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and Washington. The other three teams have made it pretty clear they're not interested. My sense has been that there are people in the Washington organization who are down for this. I don't, 100% of the Ron Rivera is one of those people, but, you know, I don't know that he would be, like, completely against it. But the question for me has been, 
does it make sense for Washington for the league to choose Washington until Dan Snyder is out? And even then, does it, is this a way you want to have Josh Harris come in? As we know, the league has told owners to keep two dates available later this summer, including one in late July, one in early August, but July 20th and August 8th, as a, as a date to possibly be available to do a vote on the commanders if the deal progresses um, through to, to that point so we can get to a vote. So that would mean either right before the start of training camp, because training camp is going to start about the 25th, 26th, or just days into uh, tr- uh, training camp, right? I don't think that's where you want Josh Harris making his debut to an extent, right? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. What if he lays off people, brings in his own people? Or what if he's just making, you know, his first time he's meeting certain people? It would be fun for us, of course, but from the team perspective, I don't know that that would make sense. That said, it would be, of course, nice for the organization to put a different face on what's been going on here, considering all the negative vibes around the organization for the past several years, which is why something I had not really thought about makes some sense. And this is something that uh, Mike Florio pointed out on Pro Football Talk. He said that, according, first of all, he said, according to uh, sources, the NFL has expanded its search for hard knock teams beyond the four that I just mentioned because there's been some pushback, though he has in here that the commanders uh, would do it if selected. Okay. But then he adds this line. The commanders are also under consideration for the in-season version of this show. And this, to me, is a more interesting scenario if i'm the league regarding washington uh, i don't know what date they would start an in-season one they've done this like the last couple of years right with the colts and cardinals i honestly have not watched i don't i haven't even watched a ton of the regular hard knocks and i have not watched the in-season version so i, but I assume it's generally the same but this could be a more interesting way to, to uh show washington because now you know it'll be at least a month a couple of months of a new regime starting to do something. Plus, there's the storylines of, you know, the Sam Howe, uh, Chase Young, Ron Rivera, and of course, there's always the transition, uh, as, as I just said. So I think, to me, this would be the more interesting way to go for the league. We'll see if they concur. Somebody's going to have to do hard knocks. Um, and if the Jets, I mean, the Jets are the obvious team, as we all know, because of Aaron Rodgers going to New York. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, <clears throat> now, some other news that just came out this morning from my colleague, David Aldridge. This is Josh Harris related. And here's his David's tweet. The soon to be owner of the commanders is making a major financial investment in Joe Gibbs racing per sources through the Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment Group. So, so this is with this is with his fellow billionaire David Blitzer. This is from uh, David Aldridge. You can read this on the Athletic. Um, we saw Joe Gibbs issue a statement in support of Josh Harris when the two sides agreed when when Harrison Snyder went exclusive on uh, the trade on the uh, on the sale negotiations, and we have heard that Josh Harris and Gibbs have become tighter 
in recent years as i guess harris has explored the situation so now this is interesting that it's come to this apparently also gibbs will be investing or become a a a small partner of the harris blitzer sports and entertainment group which means he would become a minority owner of the 76ers and the devils but apparently will not be involved in the commander's bid now i you know again we're not talking about uh a huge chunk of of uh of the of that pie anyway but i'm just saying that apparently joe gibbs will be part of that group but not part of the commander's bid at this point is the way uh it is being explained so you know that's interesting and you know in terms of joe gibbs he obviously is you know the don of the commanders right i mean he is the one that everybody has to go essentially get approval from ron rivera spoke to joe gibbs before taking the job here sought advice from him that you know they were both at that point in the charlotte area joe gibbs as we know has consulted with dan snyder many times over the years not to mention of course he coached here so it would be interesting to see if josh harris also looks at joe gibbs as something of a yoda for him to be a voice to uh to to, to gauge advice from um you know and by the way let's not forget also ron rivera told us a couple years ago that he sought out Joe Gibbs for thoughts on what to do a quarterback before they went ahead and made the Carson Wentz deal. And he talked about always Joe Gibbs was looking for size. Obviously Carson Wentz is a tall guy. You can do with that as you wish. So Joe Gibbs remains some kind of a figure here within the commander's world. What, how much of a sounding board he would be for Harris whenever he takes over, that is to be determined of course. All right. Um, obviously, it's a quiet time of year, so you know don't have a ton else on the, the current team. If you missed my takeaways, you can go read them in the Athletic from last week. I had two parts, and by the way, the Athletic has a deal right now. Uh, I, I believe it is a dollar a month for for a year, so you can go check that out. If you subscribe to my takeaways, you can get the deal in there. Um, all right, let's get to this. Let's get to Steve Ross. As I said, this was um, when we when we go in and talk to the coaches, they were all at different tables inside the commander's cafeteria space. It was the first time I had been in there. Um, I think the most interesting thing for me in terms of the, the the setup was that they have like a whole bunch of different cereals, and Cinnamon Toast Crunch was like it was like the one cereal that was like emptied out in the in the uh, container. So. Do what you do with that as you wish. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. That's not part of my discussion with Steve Ross. We talked about Jamin Davis. We talked about why he feels comfortable with bringing back essentially the same group from last year. Um, you know, at some times when we were talking to these coaches, it's a bunch of us simultaneously. Occasionally, you get a, a, somebody in a one-on-one setting. That's what I had here with Steve Ross. So we do that in a it, we'll do that right now uh, here on the Sander Group only podcast. Oh, this? Yeah. Because everybody, nobody could eat in here. And the old line loved it because they were doing walkthroughs in here. I mean, right. Was, no, that was the space. longest time they fought like hell not to get kicked out of here. Like, look, we want our meal room back. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Um, well, let me not uh, waste uh, your, your, your time. Um, we, I asked Ron, uh, or sorry, I asked Jack upstairs about Jamin and what was the what did he see as progress from last year and then what's the next step for him so 
I'll ask you, what was the progress he made and what's this next step for him? I think he took a step toward consistency, but yet needs to take another step toward consistency. So there's there's flash plays for Jamin Davis making tremendous plays when you look at you know what you'd expect out of a linebacker of his skill set and size. But we need we'd like to see more of them. And he'd like to see more of them. And so that's that's building upon you know, learned experiences, touching hot stoves, but see how consistent can we get. Can we get rid of some of, you know, we want more of those splash plays and less of the, oh my goodness, what just happened kind of plays. Right. And that's what all boils down to, Ben, is consistency. So we're going to continue to try to build that. And consistently, you know, being locked in, playing fast, and, and showing that, those traits that he shows, right. uh, you know, when it is firing for him. So he's working hard at that, and uh, you know, excited to get back out there where he can get get out there and continue to take that step. So right now, he's just trying to work as hard as he can mentally, you know, Did, to get those mental reps. And I was gonna say, is that for him to be more, more consistent or get closer to the level where you guys hope? Is that more the repetition of doing certain drills, or is it more of the mental of like seeing what he's? Because he obviously has athleticism. All of the above. You know, it is not a, you know, we live in a microwave society, right, where we want to stick everything on, on our lives in the microwave and hit the express button. It doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, he was a, a coming out did not play a lot of at, at Kentucky, had a great junior year, shows, you know, and shows great upside. But sometimes it's just learning the position and, and learning the specifics of what we're doing. And sometimes it's just repetition. It's over and over and over again. It's the old book, right? The 10,000 rule. Just continuing to do it, continuing to immerse yourself in your craft, you know, whether that's studying, whether it's film, whether it's drills, whether it's actually playing, you know, all of those things, whether it's visualizing, visualizing, excuse me, at night before you go to bed, all of those things are going to come into play to try to get an athlete to be able to perform at its best. Um, the, the, uh, the supporting cast, I guess, the the, the, the other guys, uh, the colleagues, the Milo. Uh, I, I think uh, to one degree, I think people are somewhat surprised that you guys kind of brought back the same group as opposed to, you know, no, didn't, not did draft anyone or did anybody. On the other hand, I don't know. There's familiar something to save for familiarity, and also, guy Khalid had uh, his best game was probably that last one. So, what what it for you about that group? Do you, do you think it, it made sense to, to kind of come back with? Them? Well, I think we came back with. With, with guys that love football, they're they're really they got great character, uh, you know, and they have some athletic ability. They've shown some promise. Uh, and they're each in a different bucket, you know what I mean, as far as what they bring to the table. Like Dave brings something different to the table than Leek does. Uh, you mentioned Leek coming off by far and away his best performance since he was here. He was able to play the entire game, regular reps, and he just turned it loose. You know what I mean? It was great to see him play fast and loose like that. We've seen it in practice. And he cut it loose in a game and was like, look, I'm not going to be worried about mistakes or I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play fast. And this is my shot and I'm going to go. And it was great to see. I was really happy for him. And I think what you've seen in the spring then is that he's building on that. You know, he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's playing fast. He's playing decisive. And that's really fun because you saw a lot of that when he was in college as well. And you see a lot of that when he plays special teams too. And sometimes it just takes a little bit sometimes for guys to get it, get it to click. And, and it's clicked for him. And, and Dave's a great veteran. 
really you know plus plus run defender uh, that you know it's a great special team he's great for the room uh, experience like there's no tomorrow he's very smart um, and and that those are great too because you're not talking about trying to reinvent the wheel with a guy you can continue anytime you can continue to double down with guys that have ability and have the right makeup as people uh, being able to double down on the same schemes, like just like Jamin, right? Learning and learning and learning and learning, as opposed to always trying to churn it through. So I think that that was smart. And then uh, bringing in Cody Barton, I think, has been a really nice addition as well uh, to be able to, to, to help shore up our room as well. So I, I'm, I'm excited with, with where that group's at. Good stuff there from Steve Ross. And look, I this is a position that Washington has clearly de-emphasized the last few years, and that the league has in general, right, the linebacker spot. They invested a first-round pick in Jamin Davis. They'll see, hopefully, he can make some more strides. I think Jamin Davis and Chase Young are the two guys who, if they play up a notch from where we saw them last, then this defense can really go to another level. I, I, I'm not, I mean, you can make the same argument for Emmanuel Forbes, of course, but I'm just, you know, we're sort of already sort of factoring in that he'll be uh, you know, has a, has a chance to be a pretty effective player. But, you know, what about Young and Davis? I think, you know, if if they can, with their athleticism, boy, to have add those playmakers to what you already know you have would be a lot for sure. And as for the reserves, you know, you heard Steve there talk about Kaleek Hudson. You know, he's not alone. Jack Del Rio's brought him up. Uh, Ron Rivera's brought him up. Uh, you know, Kaleek Hudson is definitely somebody who's making a big, uh, who's made some noise uh, to date. Now, I don't necessarily know that that means he's going to have a larger role if everybody's healthy. He is not really built to be your traditional linebacker. He is more of that Buffalo nickel type of player. But obviously, you know, this team looks is going to look to use, you know, five and six defensive backs. So, you know, you could, you know, have Hudson come in there and play some of that type of role as well. And it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds for sure. You know, of course, they could always add somebody later during training camp. John Bostic became a signing, you know, a couple of weeks before the start of the season. He is still out there as well. Um, all right. Now, just a couple quick thoughts here on the Wizards uh, at trading Bradley Beal and ahead of the draft. I've talked a ton about this Bradley Beal situation already. I talked about it here with, with David Aldridge and Joe House. I was on 980 uh, local local radio the other day for three hours. Discussed a lot about this. I've been on with Kevin Sheehan. Look, at, you know, at the end of the day, there's two ways to look at this thing. There's the the deal itself and how we got here. The deal itself, look, it's incredibly underwhelming to trade a guy who's essentially an all-star level player for a guy in Chris Paul who they're going to trade, you know, a 38-year-old point guard. They're not going to keep him. They're going to move him on somewhere else. And some other salary cap filler in Sandra, in Landry Shamit and what sounds like five to six second-round picks and maybe some – pick swaps with a team that, you know, projects to be one of the NBA's better teams, at least for the next, you know, four to, you know, four to five years or so. So I, I don't, I'm not, you know, nobody should be too excited about that on any level. It's incredibly disappointing considering what they could have had a couple of years ago if they had traded Beal at his, uh, before he signed this contract and without the no trade clause, of course. But I think that as much as it pains me to see the result, I think they needed to do this there, this was the whole point we've been talking for a while. They they backed themselves into this corner that the second they had decided to trade Beal, what else? They weren't going to get anything. And if you're saying, well, then why trade Beal? Well, because they're not going anywhere either, 
right? Staying in this middle range is doing nothing for anybody. They're uninteresting and they're not winning games. So they're not winning. You know, they're not. They certainly. You know, they haven't even made the playoffs in four of the five or four of the last five years. Uh, and the one time they made it, they were knocked out in the first round. So they, the Wizards, um, they needed to bottom out at some point. They're doing that now. We'll see what happens with Kristaps Porzingis. Does he opt back in for his thirty-six million or for next year, or does he hit free agency? Kyle Kuzma is going to hit free agency. We all assume um, possible sign and trade with Kuzma, possible trade with Porzingis. Um, you know, they, they will need to have some people making some money on this roster, and that may be where a Chris Paul trade comes into play. If, if like you heard of like the Clippers or the Lakers, it's possible they take on a couple of veterans and maybe get some some deeper picks. I, I, I don't get as worked up about adding these picks as others do in the NBA. Picks are devalued. I mean, look, you see all these picks getting thrown around all over the place. Obviously, they're to acquire, you know, star players. But it's also, I think, part because the draft has become even more unpredictable than normal With when you have all of these you know, 18, 19-year-olds coming into the league, even with the foreign players uh, and more international players. Obviously, that's been coming around for a while, and you know, Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo are two, you know, arguably the two best players in the league right now, not American-born. But, I mean, that's still the, you know, obviously the extreme. I'm just saying the variance of these of, of the picks. It's not like the 20th pick is definitively a lot better than the 40th pick uh, in most years. So I, I don't get crazy worked up if the Wizards acquire the 30th pick from the Clippers, uh, w- which could happen, or if they had acquired the 18th pick from Miami. I'm not saying there's no value in that. I'm just saying it's that, that's not what's going to make or break how I feel about all of this. Um, I, it, it leads to back to how they got into this position. And that's why, you know, for anybody out there who wants to, you know, sort of focus on the actual deal that we just made. I understand that, of course. We have to move forward here at some point. But it is still important to remember the how they got here, and that's because of two things. Because Ted Leonsis in 2019 said that the Washington Commanders, the, the Washington Commanders, the Washington Wizards will, quote, never, ever tank, end quote. And he, he said that, I was at the Wizards, when the Wizards played the Knicks in London, he said that in relation to the Josh Harris uh 76ers process and and Leontis was sort of dinging that as, as being something that like you know it's painful for fans and others to deal with sure those years were not great for Philly but the point of the process was to land to get as many swings as you can at top prospects in the hope that you get a couple that that help lead you to bigger bigger days and since they got Joel Embiid the Sixers have been a team that has won 50 games four of the last six years they want one of those years was 49 and another year was 43. But I think that was the COVID year when the league didn't even play as many games. So I know the Sixers haven't won a title, but they have been entertaining and a contender. The Wizards have been none of those things. And they could have been so much more interesting if they had traded Bradley Beal a couple of years ago. I was been swear, I was citing the second they traded Westbrook in 2021. That was the moment for me to trade Beal uh, because you it was a completely clean slate. You could legit bottom out at that point with um with with Westbrook gone and Beal gone, and you would have had the pros you know the players you got in the Lakers deal plus whatever you got out of the Beal trade, which would have been not only picks but also likely a couple of prospects 
who were already showing something in the league, or maybe it was more like the, you know, one of these deals where you get, you know, four first round picks and a couple pick swaps, things like that. So, um, I, I think all that is incredibly disappointing. I think Ted Leonsis has set this back years. I was debating with somebody, is it three years? Is it 10 years? That's where we were debating, not debating, oh, Ted's Ted's making all the right moves here. Ted should be given the benefit of the doubt. None of that stuff. This was an absolute malpractice with how this was all handled. Uh, as for Bradley Beal himself, look, they had the no trade. Oh, and oh, the second point reason why this all happened was the no trade clause. In inexcusable that a, that a franchise would allow this to happen and whether Tommy Shepard came up with this idea or the agent did that this is where the owner has to step up or what do they call them the, the NBA governors this is where the guy has got to step up and say no 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 we're not doing this we're already giving you Bradley Beal 250 million dollars we're making you one of the top the highest paid guys in the league no <laughs> we're not doing this to further hamper ourselves should we ultimately decide that things need to change. And instead, that's what they did. And according to the reporting, we don't I don't think we still have a definitive answer on exactly how everything went down. But it certainly seems based on the reporting that Bradley Beal ultimately and his agent, Mark Bartlestein, wanted the Suns. And even though the Wizards had offers from different teams, reportedly the Kings and the Bucks, um, the Miami Heat were involved, that ultimately... Beal was turning these things down and saying, let's go to the Suns. And I know I've had some people say to me, well, why not just wait it out? Just tell Beal, well, if you don't do what we want, you're just going to sit here and play for a lousy team. That level of petty does not do the Wizards any good. Um, for one, they the the point of moving on from Beal is to get this rebuild started. You know, if Beal's actually on the team, they, they might, they're going to win more games than they won't. You know, I mean, I, let me, sorry, sorry. I'm not saying they'll have a winning record, but they'll win more games with Beal than they would without Beal. Um, and what are you going to do? We just gonna, ultimately, he has the trump card. No matter how many ways you play this out, ultimately, he's going to get paid, and ultimately, he can determine where to go. The Wizards just have to cut the bait uh, and, and, and move on. And that's why the, 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 the return is brutal, but necessary at this point in terms of making the deal. Uh, as for Bradley Beal himself, look, I, I think he, you know, he, I, I've covered him his entire career. He's the rare athlete where I've had that chance to do that. His entire career here, I should say, uh, of a star player this whole time. And, you know, I got to know Brad a little bit. I, I never claim, you know, I never claim I know any of these guys overly, you know, that that well. But I got to know Brad over time. I've seen him do a lot of things for this community. You know, he he's not going to leave here with any blight on his resume from a personal standpoint uh from a you know how he you know uh represented the organization and the community uh so i you know kudos to bradley beal for that he obviously has finished uh, among the wizards like all-time uh leaders in numerous categories he's he's less than 200 points behind elvin hayes for the all-time leading score i guess that's not going to happen um you know i think it would have been so interesting if the wizards Obviously, the John Wall injury sucked for for all kinds of reasons, but the Wizards just never could get somebody else to come in here and be a part of this thing with Beal, right? And, and this was part of the, the the problem. They you know they had to wait out the Wall thing. There wasn't much they could do. And then when they traded him, they got Westbrook, and with Westbrook they did make the playoffs the next year. But you know again limited ceiling, and then they moved Westbrook out the next year because he wanted he wanted out. 
Um, I, I think one of the bigger and so like what would Beal have been if he had gotten if he had had another running mate of some consistency over time? Who's to say? I think he was miscast as the alpha on this team. I don't mean that he can't be. I mean, I agree that he can. He's not the best player on a contender, but I don't think he's also like the best leader of a team. Good guy, you know, follow him as a person. But like as like the as like an alpha in the locker room, I don't think that's his role. And I think that's been shown a bit when you see some of the kerfuffles that have come up in the last few years uh, with, with how things have gone around there. You need everybody to have sort of defined roles, both on the court and sort of off the court. And I think the Wizards have had been lax at both of those in recent years. The reset here should give Michael Winger, the new team president, a chance to reset that culture. And, uh, you know, again, best of luck to Bradley Beal. Uh, huge bummer that things ended this way. I don't have any issue with him and his agent using the trade, no trade clause. What's the point of having it if you, if you, uh, what's the point of, what's the point of having it if you don't use it? On the other hand, like I said, it's inexcusable that the Wizards, and I mean Ted Leontis, um, allowed this to occur. That said, we're going to try to move forward. And speaking of moving forward, the draft is on Thursday. The Wizards have the eighth pick as well as a couple of seconds. I will just say, as you know, I'm I'm focused here on the Commanders. And I'm not doing deep dives on the NBA draft. I don't. I barely even watch college basketball much anymore. The product to me is just it's it's just so sad the decline there. That said, I've heard some names uh, in, in 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 talking to people about Bradley Beal. I have heard some names um, that the Wizards have apparently have shown significant interest in. And I'll, I tweeted it out, but I'll just mention them here. Uh, Anthony Black, point guard from Arkansas. He's like a 6'7 point guard. I love those. Really good feel for the game from what I've heard. And based on the highlights I've seen, his shot, though, needs a lot, a lot of work. Uh, Kobe Bufkin, point guard from Michigan. Uh, legit score and... Bilal Koulibaly, a wing from France, 18-year-old teammate of Victor Wembanyama. Sounds like he is a long, long-term project. But those are three names that I've heard connected to this team. In addition to that, I heard the Wizards had a meeting with Jarvis, if I'm saying that right, Walker, the uh, kid out of uh, University of Houston, uh, that they went down to uh, meet him down in Florida. He may be gone, it sounds like, before the eighth pick. And obviously with these three names, I'm sure they like guys who are going to get picked ahead of them at eight, but these are three names that maybe it's more of a realistic chance that they would be there at eight. I think black is typically viewed as being a, a, a prospect in that range. The other two may be a little bit more of a trade down, but I, again, as I sort of said before with draft picks, I, I think the, the range of some of these players is, you know, the, the tier I should say is, is, is pretty deep. Uh, on some of these guys, so you know you're picking eight or fifteen. It may not be all that different in the eyes of uh, in the eyes of many. So we'll see if that means a trade down or if they do acquire some other picks. Maybe they can get a couple of these guys. We will see. I think almost anybody in this roster is available now for a trade. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying logically they should be uh, sign of trades with Kuzma and Porzingis. Uh, Delon Wright is a guy that could absolutely help a contender for sure. Monty Morris would give a team some. Some depth. You do have to have some players on this team. Somebody has to make some money so you can hit the floor of the salary cap. But nonetheless, if somebody is interested in giving you assets that you find valuable going forward, take it, move on. There's no that's again that's what's so such a bummer about all this. Ultimately, trades happen and star players get moved. 
but there is nothing here that suggests the Wizards have any kind of real rebuild happening other than stating it. There is no, you know, there, you know, there, the eighth pick will almost be the, the the new face of this team to a degree in terms of hope, um, because they they didn't get anybody in the Beal trade, and they're unfortunately their recent draft picks. Some of them have been okay, including Corey Kispert, but none of them are true building blocks, and that's where you're like, all right, well, uh, what are you gonna do? What I'm going to do is sign off here. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. Thanks for indulging me with my wizard thoughts. You know, it's that time of year. And when you trade away Bradley Beal, got to talk about it. Uh, so that is it for now. Uh, I will be back this week with more podcasts. And they will continue throughout the summer, all the way up until training camp. Um, but that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.